All right, our theme for this year is uh, Freedom in Christ, talking about all the different ways that we are free in Christ that we sometimes don't think about and don't consider. We're doing that uh, as kind of a reminder that this is a year of Jubilee also at Northside. This is our 75th anniversary and plans are well underway for a celebration weekend, September 27 and 28. Looking forward to that. Lots of uh, good things ahead. Uh, We start a new series today, our third series this year, Free from Fear. Free from Fear. And we can't jump right into it without understanding fear. So let's start by talking about fear. Uh, When I decided this series would be good, I, I confess I thought this would be fairly easy. I thought, well... If we're in Christ, we shouldn't be afraid of anything. Uh, If we really trust in God, there's nothing we should fear. So I thought I'd pick out the top four or five fears that the world has and uh, talk about why Christians don't have to be afraid of those things. And I jotted down three or four right off the top of my head. Well, we can talk about those, and that'll be uh, get us started. And then I thought, well, I'll just look at some other resources and see what people are afraid of. And today with the Internet, you can spend all day doing that kind of thing. So I looked for top fears. And I found site after site after site after site listing the top ten fears, the top twenty fears, the top fears of teenagers, the top fears of adults, the top fears of all humans, and on and on and on. So I wasted a little time reading through some of those. And... Trouble was, all the lists were different. It didn't help me a whole lot. Uh, I found out there's all sorts of things that people are afraid of. For instance, uh, here's one list of phobias that came up. Now, this is a little different from what's on your handout, but it's pretty close. You got the same things. I just picked this one uh, off of Google because it had the names of the phobia. Uh, anybody got arachnophobia in here? Yeah, some people are afraid of spiders, unreasonably afraid of spiders. Anybody got brontophobia? That's a fear of thunder and lightning. Okay, uh, Seems strange to me, uh, but people have those fears. Uh, and that's when I saw all these different lists. That's kind of when my trouble started and where to go with this series. Because some of the things I saw, I thought, well... You ought to be afraid of snakes. You know, that that makes sense to me. Snakes are kind of scary things. Uh, And heights, I understand that. You ought to be be afraid of heights. Uh, But being afraid of flying, that seems silly to me. It's never bothered me to get in an airplane and, and go flying. I did that when I was young and just got used to it, I guess. Uh, thunder and lightning, being afraid of a storm, seems silly to me. I mean, a good lightning show. That's a wonderful thing. And so I began to see that uh, as you look at all these lists, we don't agree on them. Some of them don't seem too reasonable sometimes. Edith Wharton said, I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm still afraid of them. And you can say that about a lot of these things. Uh, It doesn't make a 
It doesn't always have to be real reasonable what we're talking here. So in all the lists that I searched through, I really couldn't find a list that suited a sermon series. Uh, I did look at some different types of lists, different descriptions. Here's one that I found was interesting in sight was the top ten most Googled feared, most Googled fears. People look up fear of something, and the number one thing people looked up was fear of flying. Okay. So that must be a pretty big fear if the most people uh, that search the Internet uh, for fear of something look for that. And uh, number two on that was public speaking. Number three was heights. Number four was dark. Uh, number five was intimacy. Number six was death. And then failure and rejection. Then the spiders came in at number nine. And then number 10 was commitment, and I thought, oh, this is starting to get interesting. It's not just the standard phobias we talk about. It's, it's human relationships, and it's things in this world, and it's fear of death and the afterlife. And, and now we're starting to see some things that maybe people are afraid of. Death, when I saw that, I said, that, that's on my original list. That's one we ought to talk about. Uh, Christians are free from the fear of death. The world is, ought to be afraid of death. Oh, and we can make sure we talk through that and include that in the series and get that covered. Well, we'll make our list later and we'll pick some things to talk about as we go on. But today's real basic. We're just going to look at the big principle today about fear and faith. There's a relationship there that we need to understand. And we'll get that basic thing down and then we'll talk about some specific fears in the weeks ahead. All right, if we check the dictionary to see how fear is defined, we can find two real distinctions real quick. And I put those on the handout for you. If you look in the American Heritage Dictionary anyway, A definition is a feeling of agitation and anxiety caused by the presence or imminence of danger. And then B is completely different. B is an extreme reverence or awe as toward a supreme power. Well, we understand that, don't we? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we're not talking about that fear. That's even defined as a different kind of thing than fear of being agitated or anxious because of danger, something that you think is dangerous. So we're not talking about that part. And then on the A part, when we start to think about that, we know that people's fears, some of them are real, and some of them are imagined. We just don't agree about what's real and what's imagined. What's real to me may be imagined to you. For instance, I say, if you're afraid of public speaking, well, that's all in your head. That's just imaginary. And you say, oh, yeah? You try to get me up there, and I'll start sweating and shaking, and I may, might throw up. You know, it's real to you. Seems imaginary to me. On the other hand, if you tried to get me up on the roof of this building, like the roofers were for the last three weeks, uh, I would be on all fours and dug in. Well, that would scare me to death. But for the last three weeks, there have been guys just running around up there. Okay? To them, that's not 
a real fear. So we're learning a little bit about fear. Let's keep working here. Now, the A definition on your handout is interesting. It says anxiety and agitation. And so that made me realize that there's a large list of words that we can use. A large list of words that we can use to define fear or describe fear that aren't really fear. Uh, Word folks, linguists, call it a semantic range of words. Fear and worry, a little bit different. Intimidation is a little different. Unsettledness, dread, unease, alarm, distress, apprehensiveness. Now, those aren't in a perfect order of biggest to littlest or anything, but it's kind of a scale of words that you could use different words to express the degree of fear you had, maybe. It's not exactly like it, but you, you know, you go to the doctor, and one of the first questions they ask you, where's your pain on a scale of one to ten? Is that a dumb question or what? Yeah, well, I don't know. Compared to what? You know, I've got a pretty high pain tolerance, so I figure a 10 would kill you, you know. So I know it's not 10, but I don't know where it is. I always want to say something like, well, it's (laughs) 7.481. They probably wouldn't get the humor on that. It's a little bit like that. Uh, I don't really fear snakes. In the sense that I have nightmares about them, or if I saw one, I'd run screaming out of the room. But they make me a little uneasy. You know, I have a little distress if one's around. I mean, I can look at one in a cage behind glass, it doesn't bother me a bit. But if I run into one out in the wild, I have a little distress there. So maybe this range of words will help you think, uh, I could have called this series perhaps, uh, we're free from worry. We're free from anxiety. But I chose to use free from fear. So hopefully that will give you a range there that you can think about that too. There's a range of real and imagined fears. There's a range or degree of being afraid. Uh, And we're going to work on the list of things that the world fears and a Christian shouldn't. Because we're freed from that kind of fear. Uh, And some of the things we talk about in the weeks ahead might cause you real light anxiety. You may just barely think about it. Some of them you might have a mild apprehension about. Some of them you might be scared to death about. Those are the kinds of things we'll talk about in the weeks ahead. But today, today our topic is facing fears with faith. Facing fears with faith. Uh, We've got to master this. We've got to get this part down So the rest of the series will make any sense. Let's go to Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Paul says to the church in Philippi, Do not be anxious. There's one of our words. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, There's the basic. That's what we're going to talk about the rest of this sermon. Okay? 
Paul says to Christians, don't be anxious about anything. We could use our range of words, don't fear anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't be apprehensive about things. Don't dread things. But in everything, anything, that does make you afraid or apprehensive or anxious or whatever. Anything that does that, talk to God about it. In prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what will happen? Look what Paul says. The peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I can't explain how it works. Paul says, but the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. When you're anxious, when you're fearful, when you're worried, your heart and your mind are upset. Paul says, Christians, don't be anxious about anything. But in anything that bothers you, talk to God about it, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Now, we're starting to learn something about fear and faith here. I don't know how many times I've seen it in sermons or books or things that I've read, but I finally kind of checked it this time. But I've read many times and seen on little calendar kind of things that there's one command that appears 365 times in the Bible. I've seen that lots of places. And the point is that it's covered every day. He's got one every day for you. And the people that write that say this is the most commanded thing in the Bible. It's in the Bible more than any other command. Well, I don't know if that's, that part's true or not. But at least it is one of the most frequent Bible commands. It's in there a lot. And that command is fear not. Fear not. It's in there a whole minute, a lot of a lot of times, hundred times or so maybe, and it's repeated a number of times. And there's other variations of it. I don't think there's 365, but and I don't know if it's the most commanded thing, but it's in there a whole lot. The Bible says, "Fear not," over and over and over again. God is serious about His people being free from fear. Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy was afraid of something, I think. He had some, maybe it was apprehension. Maybe it was, he was a little anxiety. I don't know what word Timothy would have used to describe it. It was probably, since he was becoming a leader in the large church in Ephesus, and there had been some problems in Ephesus, if you remember from Paul's starting it and all that, uh, the problems that preceded him, and he was a very young man. I imagine that's what part of his trepidation came from. But Paul wrote to him, uh, whatever the fear was, in Second Timothy one seven, and said, Timothy, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. We don't have a spirit of fear. God gives us a spirit of power. Spirit of love, spirit of a sound mind. Some translations say a stable mind. 
Now, we can learn a few things from that. Fear is not from God. Fear is not, the kind of fear we're talking about is not from God. And I remember we already said that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and all that. And there's probably some things in this world, like snakes or something, that we got a little inborn fear of. I don't know how that all works. But the kind of things we're talking about, fear is not from God. What God gives us is a spirit of power and love and a sound mind, a stable mind. Now think through this. When you fear something, the kind of things that we're discussing, it's not from God. And he already told us, don't be anxious about anything. Talk to me. I'll ease your mind. I'll give you peace. The spirit of power. Think about that. What's fear do? What's fear do to us? Well, it freezes you, doesn't it? It inhibits you. It locks you up. Some people are so afraid of something that they lock themselves inside their houses. They're afraid to go out. Okay? That, that's what fear does to us. When you first see that snake or that spider or something, you don't feel like you got power. You freeze up. That's not from God. When we fear the things that we're talking about, he gives us a spirit of power. What's the spirit of power say? I can handle this. Or correctly stated, God and I can handle this. A spirit of a sound mind. What's that mean? Well, what's fear do to you? It upsets your mind, doesn't it? Your mind gets all out of whack. You imagine you make things worse than it really is, usually. It distresses you. It, gives you. it makes you feel uneasy. It fills you with dread. That's not from God, Paul says. He gives us a sound mind, a stable mind. Other translations say self-control, discipline. God and I can handle this. Let's look at one more story. Paul and Timothy are kind of interesting. Let's look at one more story. This one happened on the Sea of Galilee. There's a famous line in it. It's in Mark chapter 4 and verse 40, where Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, you remember the rest of the story. But the point is the story connects fear and faith here for us. Okay. The boys were out in a boat on the sea in the night. Jesus was so tired, he had fallen asleep in the bottom of the boat. And a storm came, big storm, bigger than obviously these apostles were used to. And they were fishermen, most of them, a lot of them. It was bigger than they were used to because it scared them to death. Okay. Locked them up, made them uneasy, gave them an unsound mind. They thought they were going to die. Now, the fear and the faith is important, and we've we got to learn that. But that's not the most important part of the verse. The key word in that verse is so. Jesus didn't say, why are you afraid? They had good reason to be afraid. The boat was going places 
positions boats aren't supposed to go in. Water was coming in the boat, and water was supposed to stay outside the boat. All kinds of things were going wrong. So they had pretty good reason to be afraid, but Jesus didn't ask them why they were afraid. He asked them, why are you so afraid? And if it was translated the best way it could be translated, that word means in this manner or in this way. He said, why are you afraid in this manner? Why are you afraid like this? Maybe a good translation would be, why are you reacting like this? Okay, well, we read the story and we see what's going on. We think through it. Some people say, well, they were afraid because Jesus was sleeping and they, they wanted him to wake up and fix it. I don't think so. That's not what they asked him when they got him woke up. But he went ahead and fixed it, remember? He said, peace. Be still. And when it stopped, what did the apostles do? That scared them to death. Okay? Obviously, that wasn't what they expected him to do, because that frightened them. They said, what kind of man is this? The winds and the waves do what he tells them. So they were waking him up for something else, and if you read it, they were mad. They panicked. They were mad at Jesus. They basically said, we're dying up here, and you don't care. Don't you care? That's the question they ask him. In other words, we're all going under. It doesn't seem to bother you. That's not right. You ought to be as scared as we are. You ever meet anybody like that? Run into somebody like that? They're in a storm, and somebody else comes along and tries to calm them down, tries to encourage them, and they get mad at that guy. Well, you just don't understand. You don't know how bad this is. You don't know how horrible it is to be me right now. Don't you care? That's where the apostles were. Now, that I know that sounds crazy to us because they were dealing with Jesus. Now, it... Admittedly, it's real early in his career, so they hadn't seen everything he could do yet, but they'd seen a lot. They'd seen a lot of healings. They'd seen a lot of his power. And when he asked them, why are you afraid like this? Why are you so afraid? It was because they didn't make that connection. They didn't do what everything we've been reading says to do. What Paul tell the Philippians? If you're anxious about something, what do you do? Talk to God about it. He'll ease your mind. They didn't make that connection. They knew Jesus had power, but they let their, their fear was so much greater than their faith at that point. They didn't ask him to help. They were going to grow up later, I think, but they weren't there yet. 
They had the master of the universe in the bottom of the boat, and they were just mad at him because he wasn't as afraid as they were. C.S. Lewis, I think this applies. C.S. Lewis said, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It's easy to say that you believe a rope is strong as long as you're just using it to wrap a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a cliff. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? The boys believed in Jesus. They'd seen him do some stuff. And now it's life and death matter, and they didn't make that connection. They didn't think he's the way out of this. He's the one we have to ask. We've got to handle this ourselves, and we can't do it. And even if we wake him up and get him to bailing too, we're all sunk. All right, let's wrap up and see if we can understand this. Let's recall our title. Our title was Facing Fears with Faith. Okay, so this fear and this faith thing go together. Here's the lesson. If you didn't hear the rest of it, start paying attention now. I put a true or false question on your handout for you. If a child of God is living by fear, he cannot be living by faith. True or false? Don't hold your hand up yet. Think about that. Is that true or false? If a child of God is living by fear, he cannot be living by faith. Now, I read that in a book. I read that in a book about fear and Christians. And the premise of the book was Christians should fear nothing. And the guy presented this statement as true. He said, if a child of God is living by fear, he cannot be living by faith. I think it's not that easy. I understand what he's saying. And I understand at at the ultimate point, yes, he's right. But I think fear and faith and this whole Christian walk is not a binary thing. I think it's not an on-off thing, a yes-no, true-false, either-or, all-or-nothing. I think just like there's degrees of the word fear, just like there's degrees of real and imagined, I think there's degrees of, of faith interacting with fear. Remember the other boat story? The boys were in a boat again, and Jesus was... Not in a boat. He was walking on the water. And after Peter did his thing and all that, remember what Jesus said? Peter, you've got little faith. So when you try to say that you're either living by fear or you're living by faith, and it's either a hundred and zero or zero and a hundred, I don't buy it. I think our faith grows. I think our faith should grow. And at that point in Peter's life, Peter had little faith. A young Christian, immature Christian, um, maybe been a Christian for a long, long time, but never grew up. A, a young Christian may fear lots of things. 
Some of them may be reasonable. Some of them may be not. Many of them are probably from the former world, from his former life in the world. Fear of death, fear of illness, fear of peer pressure, fear, fear of rejection. On and on we can make a list. And he may be a Christian, but he's still got these fears because he's got low faith or small faith or whatever you want to call it. He doesn't think to apply that faith to this problem. That's where the apostles were. They're, they're not facing fear with faith. That's what the Bible says to do. That's the point of that thing in Philippians. Don't be anxious. Face it with faith. Talk to God. On the other hand, a Christian may have very high faith and very low fear. As we grow, those things ought to change. The more faith we get, the more we understand. <clears throat> the less fears we ought to have. John 8.32 Jesus said, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How do you get free from fear? Well, the way you get free from all the problems is truth. That's a big verse. That applies to a lot of things. But in this case, what we're talking about today, what's truth? Well, we could go a long time about that. But the basics that apply to this, the part that is basic, God is good. God is loving. God says he is our shield. God says he is our defender. If that's true, if we know that truth, and we know that he cares about us, then what do we got to fear? Once again, I'm back talking 100 and 0, but it's a growing thing. The more we know that truth. If God is good, and he is, if God is powerful, and he is, if God is loving and cares about me, and he does, then what do I have to fear? Uh, that's the ultimate. If you have this faith and you face your fears with it, th that settles it. The famous 23rd Psalm. What did the psalmist say? Verse 4. I will fear how much evil. How many things am I afraid of? What will scare me? What will make me anxious? What do I dread? Nothing. I fear no evil. Why? Because he knew the truth. He knew the truth that God, the good, loving, all-powerful, all-knowing, caring, loving, God, that God is with him. When I know that, I don't fear evil. Now you're saying, well, the apostles knew that. Yeah, they knew it to a degree, but they didn't think to make the connection. They had a little faith. They they were afraid in a way that Jesus didn't think they ought to be afraid. Why are you afraid like this? If you're in a sinking boat, yeah, it's okay to be afraid, but if you know the God of the universe, then, then he'll help with things. 
The fellow that wrote that sentence right there, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We're talking about growing faith. It's kind of interesting. This is at the end of his life probably when he wrote that. That's the very beginning of his life. When he was a young boy, he had a simple childlike faith. But it was still the ultimate faith. Remember? He walked into the valley and he saw a giant. I mean a giant giant. A giant cursing his God. And everybody else. The king, his brothers, all of them were scared to death. And he walked into the valley and saw that giant cursing God and while the king and his brothers and all the rest of them were shaking and quaking and frozen and their minds were not stable. That little boy said, I'm not going to put up with that. And my God and I can handle this. That's faith way up here, fear way down here. His brothers and the king and everybody, don't you think they knew God could handle that? They knew who God was. They'd seen him do amazing things, but they were so afraid. They were afraid in a manner that they didn't put that together. They just looked at it and said, we can't handle this. David looked at it and said, God and I can handle this. And so he went down there and told the giant that. He said, me and God are going to whip you today. And he did. All right, let's apply this Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday and 24-7. This just didn't good in the pew or in the boat. Let's make it everywhere. Whether you're in the church house or the schoolhouse or the factory, this ought to be good for something. In fact, it's more useful out there because probably there's more things out there to be afraid of. When you go to work or school or whatever you do tomorrow and the next day and the next day, there's some things to be afraid of out there probably. Well, let's apply this. Don't be so afraid. Don't be afraid in the manner that the apostles were. Make that connection. Remember, God is right there. It may look like he's sleeping. I mean, we tell ourselves that, don't we, when we get in the middle of a storm. We say, God doesn't care. He's not doing anything. Make the connection. Faith and fear. What do you do with that fear? You take it to God. He does care. Now, the longer you live, the more you grow, the more you know God, there's going to be less and less things to fear. Christians ought to be growing in that every day. The psalmist that we've been talking about, we read it when we started the sermon, Psalm 91, listen to this. He said, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall by your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. But it will not come near you. How a Christian ought to approach the day. There's some bad things out there. There's some things that the world's afraid of, and bad things happen in this world. It's not going to come near me. 
because my God and I can handle it. Next week, we'll talk about dealing with disaster. You'll see that funnel cloud coming. You head for the cellar, don't you? Well, we're going to head to God's bunker and uh, deal with disaster next week. Be free from fear. The lesson is yours. If you're here this morning, need to respond to the Lord's invitation in any way, we'd be happy to help you. Let's stand and sing.